So welcome to the FinGen Show. Thanks for being here with us today. My name is Ferris Alami, I'm your host. And today we have a, a very interesting story with Jerry and who's gonna be our guest. Thanks for being with us, Jerry. Hey, everybody. So Jerry, what a journey. Uh, I'd love to hear, you know, for the, our audience, just tell them a little bit who's Jerry and what do you do? Yeah, sure. I, I split time between my day job as a pharmacist, but I started my leadership coaching business officially last October in the middle of COVID and uh, yeah, actively trying to work to build up that practice. And so I've, I've specifically niched that practice down to conflict resolution for Asian American leaders, just because I think that's a major pain point uh, for a lot of them to really work through. And so I'm just excited to be in a position to equip them and help them handle their life challenges a little more effectively. Yeah, so I mean, my experience working with individuals like you, Jerry, is that you you started this because of something you personally might have faced or gone through. I'd love to hear a little bit more about what caused you to start such a wonderful business in the mix of a pandemic, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. uh, also facing challenges, uh, leaders period, and then you wanting to start a business facing yet more challenges to start a business. Love to yeah, hear right. <laughs> yeah, the challenges don't end really. Uh, but yeah, basically, you know, I grew up in a, in a household that is very conflict averse, right? Um, we struggle to have uh, difficult conversations because we're afraid that if we have a difficult conversation, that would ruin the relationship. And so uh, this is the lens that I'm looking life through. And every time someone's upset with me, right, I'd rather run and hide as opposed to lean in and figure out how to actually reconcile in a way and, you know, admit hard truths about myself and how I might need to improve in order to help restore the relationship, right? And so um, combine this with the fact that I've worked for my first five years in pharmacy in a chain pharmacy that has, you know, terrible customer service techniques where you're basically supposed to just give in to whatever unreasonable demand patients or customers make. And so it's just doubly bad. And so when I finally got out of that job, I managed to leverage my connections to get a teaching job through a pharmacy consulting company, which brought me from Tennessee to, to Houston, where I live now. Um, it was a very different environment because instead of me being able to kind of get away with some passivity because I was still more competent than 70% of like the pharmacists that I worked with, now I'm being held accountable to a standard uh, that my job required of me. And there were real consequences for not meeting those standards because the company would lose revenue or clients or things like that, right? And so, you know, this isn't good. And so, again, just I was in this idea that if I told a good enough story as to why I didn't get the job, then my boss wouldn't be so mad with me. But that doesn't work in entrepreneurship. <laughs> and so learned that lesson the hard way. But 11 months later, I got fired. And, you know, it was a tough lesson to take at the time. But it was uh, one of the best wake-up calls I could ever ask for. And so that conflict aversion continued in that when I got my next job where I was at a shady pharmacy where for my paychecks bounced, filling for crooked doctors, I didn't know how to confront my boss who was clearly ripping me off, right? And so thankfully... After nine months of back and forth and misguided grace, my friends said, get out of there. He's not paying you. You can't pay your bills, right? And you're dirtying your license for this guy. He sees, he's, not, he's not there to help you, right? So I get on with another company with the help of my friends, which is more legitimate, but they can't pay me more than eight hours a week. And so I move out to Austin to get more hours with them and no idea what my life is going to look like. And then that summer was when some friends of mine who run a pharmacy leadership nonprofit uh, tapped me to say, hey, we know you've been facilitating leadership uh, workshops on the fraternity side for a while, but we have a spot for a leadership uh, summit that we need your help with. Would you be willing to, to help? And I said, absolutely. 
And so now teaching leadership uh, gave me the gave me the idea that maybe I could actually be good at leadership because before I just didn't want to think that I could be good at leadership. It was just my own fixed mindset. I didn't want to get better. I didn't want to believe I could get better or even become competent. And I didn't want to look incompetent along the way. So I just avoided that journey for the longest time. But when I finally gave myself permission to become a good leader, I, I had the confidence to take on a manager position that opened up in Houston a couple months later. And I said, yeah, I can't stay scared. I'm ready to come home. Um, let me take this on. I proceed to get written up the following year because I am not writing up, disciplining, or firing bad technicians because I just refuse to confront them. And so thankfully, I got out of the doghouse right as the company had their funding pulled in. So the only reason I even get an interview with my next company was that I have leadership experience on my resume now, right? So I say, wow, leadership saved my career. And like the challenges continue to grow, right? At the next company, uh, there was a technician who was underperforming. My boss was not happy with her. And he says, you got to handle it. And I knew, right, if I didn't fire her, that I was going to get in trouble too. So I had to fire her. Well, the problems help you grow from them and you realize the what's waiting behind the next door is another challenge to work with, right? So anyway, I so I get more job options because I have leadership experience, but these aren't lasting very long. They're like icebergs. They melt after one or two years, right? And so I said, well, when my previous company went under, I said, well, you know, I'm tired of chasing scripts. I'm tired of fighting insurance companies. Um, but I love teaching these leadership workshops, which I consistently done since 2012. Um, you know, what would a career in coaching and facilitating look like? Because I know what kind of challenges I wish I had been better equipped to face if I'd had the right training. How can I provide that to more people that I have a heart for? And so plenty of leadership coaches out there. And so I said, well, you know, let me. Um, get some skin in the game, not just make this a hobby, but to really make this a company. And so, yeah, it took a pandemic for me to say, how much longer can I put this off? And so, yeah, and now it's still try, struggle, fail, right? Um, you realize very quickly, as long as you have cash flow coming from somewhere um, that you have a skill set for that's in demand, you know, that's what keeps you afloat, right? So I do private tutoring on the side uh, while I'm, you know, building up my business as to all my day job as a pharmacist. And so, yeah, I'm in this middle of this transition exit strategy, uh, even as I, as I, you know, do marketing and networking and, and just trying to climb forward uh, with the help of anyone else who wants to help me. That's great. Uh, thank you so much for sharing and being, you know, also people, it's not easy to be vulnerable, right? Sharing such stories and I appreciate that. Uh, I do think and believe that the listeners enjoy the ethnicity of, of the speakers that we bring, because when you share the truth of what's happening, you're really somewhat relating to the people that are listening because we might all think that I'm the only one who ever did this work three jobs to keep my business going and the reality is most entrepreneurs especially in the beginning most not all uh, had to do something as crazy as you're doing right you know a couple of jobs to juggle get the gigs that you can get till you get enough money to say all right it's time for me to focus full time on it and so on and so forth Th thank you so much for sharing i'd love to hear a little bit more about you know as you know, this journey has ups and downs, and you know there might be sometimes the same time. There might be different times. It might be the same thing that got you up, that got you down. It could be something different. And I'd love to hear a little bit about that. So my first question to you, and we'll answer this. We'll give you a minute to, to you know, we'll take a break and come back to it. Sure. The first question is, would you share with us one of your 
down moments that you felt the world is ending and you better do something before you started this business or as you started this business or anything else in your life. So let's take a break and we'll be right back with the answer. All Thank right. you so much for being with us. All right, welcome back. Thanks uh, for being on the FinGen show, uh, Jerry. And the question was uh, for you is, what may be a moment that you felt the world is ending as you, whether it's for this journey or any journey, you could choose whatever one you want to bring up. I'd like to stay focused if possible on you starting the business last year in October mm -hmm. and uh, when you might've felt the world is ending. What, what did I do? Why am I doing it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, so many times, right? Where you just feel like, oh crap, like that didn't work out. What, where's my next, where's my next uh, you know, gig coming from? I think for me, yeah, early on, you know, I only had a couple of gigs and some of the expenses that, you know, I knew I would have to anticipate added up more quickly than I expected, right? When it was like, oh, the certification test costs a lot more than I expected. And, you know, I only sunk, I deliberately only sunk $5,000 of my own money to, to start this. So I didn't have a lot of margin and capital and I didn't want to because I knew how wasteful I would be if I just decided to throw money at problems. So I deliberately bootstrapped, uh, you know, at a, at a low scale just to kind of force myself to get creative. But yeah, when, uh, you know, your, when your bank says you can't go below 2000, you technically only have $3,000 to actually work with. Right. So that was the first thing. And then the second was, yeah, when you realize, Hey, just because I got my credential, doesn't mean business is flying at me the way I thought referrals would work, right? And then I think the moment where I started to have like heart palpitations was when, um, you know, I'd applied to be a tutor to help kind of stabilize cash flow, but the gigs kept falling through. Like this, you know, my first client, I got some uh, hours in and then the client was like, I, I want a female tutor. I'm just like, well, crap, like I can't, you know, if, if that's a preference, well, I guess I'm out. Right. And so I'm just like, oh, where, where do I find money? Where do I find money? And so, yeah, that was uh, several months of angst before, you know, yeah, the school season rolled back around and I was able to say, okay, now I finally you know, feel a little better. I mean, I'm far from where I need to be, but at least I made enough to cover my expenses this year. So yeah, that's yeah. so many things where it's like, oh yeah, that's a nice idea. And then there's no follow through. And the people are like, you know what? I changed my mind. And it's like, oh God, you know, now what? Yeah, yeah it is. It is a roller coaster, mm -hmm. right? Um, my next question, of course, you know, just with those down moments, there are all kinds of wonderful up moments. Yeah. Would you share with us one of those moments that you felt like, wow, that I'm on the right track. The world is opening and it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think a couple of key moments uh, that come to mind. Number one is when, uh, so when I was applying to be on podcasts, right, I initially struggled to kind of get the attention of people. And then I found a Richard Pond in a, a program called Podmatch where you know, you, uh, they match things up for you. And it was just funny because I was so afraid of getting rejected that I just didn't log into the website. And then, so I get a notice from them and they say, hey, you've, you haven't been active for like three weeks. So we're going to cancel your account unless you do something. And I'm like, okay, I'd better get started. And so the funny thing is, the irony is that was the kick that I needed to actually refine my pitch and then just say, hey, you know what? The worst thing that they can say is no. And that's a good thing because now I can actually move on to someone who might actually say yes. And so I'm still trying to translate that mentality over to actually finding more coaching clients. But you see that bright spot there. And then also when, um, 
you know, also having more uh, tutoring gigs to help, um, you know, stabilize cash flow and feel like, okay, yeah, like, I feel like I have enough to work with. So now I can actually uh, be more intentional with how I spend money instead of just try to, you know, keep up, uh, just to keep up with expenses. It's like, okay, let, now that I have a little more money to actually invest in like marketing or a business coach or something like that. Okay, now I will, I can move forward. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing that. And uh, I actually just a couple of weeks ago blogged and I blogged about this probably even 10 years ago, uh, the power of accepting no or celebrating no, because it's so really a numbers game, as you know, and uh, that is from my perspective, for every 100 people you talk to that are correct 100 people for your business, most likely going to get one to 10 to buy. So as long as you're in the right niche with the right people and you talk to those individuals, so we could start counting. And as a matter of fact, my first sales job, I started chalking down how people I told me no. And I used to celebrate giving other team members five high fives. Say, awesome. I got I to know. Yeah. <laughs> and the good. reason for it, because I was excited about getting to the yes, of course, but I knew that I had to go through this process of getting some no's out of my way. Good. So anyway, uh, thanks for sharing that. Well, knowing what you know today, mm -hmm. what would you tell yourself a year later or a year before knowing what you know now? Yeah, um, fail fast and cheap. Like, that's what I'm trying to do. I need to tell myself that now, right? The sooner I go through enough no's, right? The sooner I actually learn from them and say, okay, you know, how do I make this more likely a yes, right? And also, hey, you know, you have plenty of friends around you that are willing to give you feedback on like your marketing copy and other things like that. Just keep reaching out. Um, you know, when people see a worthy cause, they're they're more likely to be willing to help, right? They you, you can't you don't have to feel prideful or stubborn or ashamed that somehow you couldn't do it on your own, right? Rarely is there a solopreneur who actually made it on their own. So hey, you know figure out who your allies are, figure out who's sticking around and actually, you know, putting work in to help you succeed, you know, express your appreciation for them and then just keep building every day. Just keep building. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being with us. I appreciate your time, Jerry. Um, and thanks for being here. This is the FinGen Show. I'm your host, Ferris Alamy. Thanks.